This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Many of us are born with the desire to better ourselves. We strive for a nicer home, success in our work, good health, exciting vacations, and a family we can be proud of. While all these things are nice, they can become dangerous to our spiritual welfare. Let's talk more about this in today's message, A Deeper Desire. What would you say is your deepest desire? As human beings, we all have them. Well, we're going to take a look at that subject of desires in today's message. I hope that you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we approach your throne of grace this day, longing to know you better. We want to know everything about you and your will for our lives. So we ask that you would reveal yourself once again to us through your holy word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. As we continue with our sermon series entitled Deeper, our reading for today is 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world in its desires are passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. Dear friends, what would you say is your greatest desire in life? Someone might say, well, my desire is recognition, to be admired. Someone else might say, possessions. Uh, someone else might say, success. The parent says, to be a good parent. Uh, someone might respond, to have a satisfying career using my gifts and to have financial security as well. Others are looking for meaningful relationships. The Apostle John tackles this topic in our passage for today. Now, I want you to remember with me John's concerns for this congregation that he's writing to. He wants to see them have a deeper walk of faith, a solid theological foundation, to walk in the light of obedience. And uh, today he talks about the desires of life. John begins this little section of Scripture by uh, reminding them of what they already possess as followers of Jesus Christ. As he writes to this group, he thinks of the various age groups in the congregation, little children, uh, elders, young people. And he reminds them as 
Christ followers of what they already have in Jesus Christ. It's almost like a little sing-song thing that we have before us in this passage. Little children, I write to you because your sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Fathers, that's the elderly, I write to you because you know him who is from the beginning. That is, they have a personal relationship with God. Young people, I write to you because you have conquered the evil one. These people have not only said yes to Jesus, but they share in Christ's victory. Now, John seems to like this so much that he almost does a repeat and says, let's do it again. Little children, I, I write to you because you know the Father. You're children of God. Fathers, elders, because you know him who is from the beginning. Young people, because you are strong and the word of God, Jesus, abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. You share in the victory. You're rich in Christ. Basically, what John is saying to these folks, all of you, you've hit the jackpot when you got connected with Jesus Christ. In this new life, you have forgiveness for your sins, a relationship with God, victory over the evil one. You have the word of God at work in your life. You've hit the jackpot. But then the tone changes a bit as John moves into another section. It's a word of caution as he gives a command. Do not love the world or the things of the world. Don't trade down, John seems to be saying. You're rich in Christ. Don't trade down. When we hear this, little passage. He says, the world, that's puzzling to us. God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And don't we read in Genesis that God saw all that he had made, the world, and it was good. And don't we love to sing that old hymn, this is my father's world. Let me help you on this, if that's a question you have. The definition for the world is Basically, all that stands against God and God's ways. That's how John usually talks about the world in this letter. The world as it is in rebellion against God. A world that's hostile or indifferent to God. Don't love that kind of world, he says. The love of the Father, he says, is not in those who love the world. It reminds me of when Jesus said to the disciples, you cannot serve God and mammon which means God and wealth. When John talks about the love of the Father is not in those who love the world, we need to take apart a, a little bit of that word love. What does that mean? Well, Jesus said love, the way he's using it, is laying one's life down, giving yourself up for something or someone. And he said, are you going to live your life for, for the Father or for the world? What are you willing to love more? to lay your life down for. The world's a dangerous thing because of its expelling power. The love of those things of the world drive from the human heart the love of the Father. And John points to three worldly desires that can really mess us up if we love them enough to lay down our lives for them or if we pursue them with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
The first thing he points to is the desire of the flesh. When John talks of the desires of the flesh, he means the pleasures of the world. Satisfying your appetites. Then he moves to the desire of the eyes, by which he means material objects, a desire for possessions, for more things in your life. And then there's the pride in life. It's that pursuit of success and achievement and recognition and and all the status symbols that come with that. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things I've just listed, pleasure or possessions or success. But they are dangerous. I mean, we see Satan using these on Jesus in the wilderness temptation, don't we? As he tries to tempt him into bowing down and worshiping him so that he could have all the nations of the world and satisfying his hunger by turning stones into bread, by trying to enhance his uh, reputation and his success by jumping from a, a high tower. Satan was trying to tempt Jesus with these things because he knew that these three things have the power to become idols that a person can worship. You see, the world takes these things and perverts those desires, corrupts them, and exaggerates their importance. The thing is that as these things become little gods that we worship, they demand more and more, and they hold us captive. Now, like I said, pleasure and possession and success in themselves aren't bad. And of course, we celebrate the good things of God's creation, but we must not worship them. That's what John's going after. So how do you know if you've made any of these things idols in your life? Well, you need to ask yourself, have I become preoccupied with them? Have they become the center of my universe, my life, all get all my attention? Or another question would be, are you willing to do anything to attain them and to hold on to them? Even give away things that are important to you in order to keep your hand on them. What are you willing to give up to have them? Are you willing to sacrifice your family, time with them, your obedience to God, your integrity? And when God is God on the sidelines of your life, has he become an afterthought? Because if he has, then perhaps you've got an idol in your life. John says, let me tell you why I'm cautioning you on this. Here's the bottom line. The world and its desires are passing away. Worldly desires are temporal. They don't last. Pleasure is fleeting. Possessions lose value. Earthly accomplishments are soon forgotten or surpassed. It's interesting to hear some people talk about coming back to their workplace after retirement and finding out that the world has moved on without them. Their success has been put in the past. Maybe John had in mind the parable Jesus told about the rich fool who had these great crops and built all these barns and uh, talked to himself and said, boy, now I've got it made. Uh, 
I should eat, drink, and be merry. I've got life by the tail. And along came God at the end of this story, and he says, you fool, tonight your life is demanded of you. Now who gets all these things? Or maybe John had in mind the statement Jesus made, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose his soul, his very life existence? Or maybe you remember Jesus saying, don't store up riches here where they can be destroyed. Store up treasures in heaven. Not only are these worldly desires temporal, not lasting, but these worldly desires are also shallow. The truth is, these things that people will chase after are merely rumblings of a deeper desire, something so much better by far, like joy and contentment, significance, or relationship. And these things can only be found in a relationship with God who has given us his son, Jesus Christ, to open that door up to us. As St. Augustine said in the early days of the church, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We were created for something more than pleasure and having things and success. We were actually created for God, to have a relationship with the one who made us, and to live with him and to live for him. I mean, that's why Jesus stepped into this world in the first place and died on a cross to pay for your sins and mine and rose again so that we could have that relationship, the one relationship that matters above all others and that that satisfies the deepest desires and longings that exist in human beings. John's saying, hey, there's a better way to go. That's how he closes this up. He said, that, and that better way to go is keeping the big picture in mind. He finishes this off by saying, the one who does the will of God lives forever. He's talking about eternity. Jesus talked of using your life to store up treasure in heaven, didn't he? What's his will, his deepest desire Jesus tells us, loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and trusting in his Son, Jesus Christ. Nothing in your life matters more than what you do with God and his Son, Jesus Christ, and what you do for God. John's saying here, make loving God, playing for an audience of one, your deepest, your greatest desire more than anything else this world has to offer. Don't give in to cheap temporary trade-offs. It's a temptation that too many fall prey to. The real life that God wants you to have is found in walking with him, living for his glory and his honor, serving him. Pleasing him is to be your number one desire. You play for an audience of one the rest of your days. That's why Jesus came for us so we might have a relationship like that. A writer that I enjoy, Lee Strobel, he's a Christian, who had a born-again experience, a conversion in his middle years, and 
He writes in one of his books, what's really important in life probably will get sorted out during our last moments on earth. My guess is that many will look back and ask, did I accumulate a lot of stuff that I can't take with me? Or did I lay up treasures for myself in heaven? Did I take time to develop a relationship with God that will last forever? Did I leave a mark on people that's going to fade? Or did I leave a mark on them that's eternal? Pretty good question to be asking, isn't it? Looking back, what do you want to be able to say? How did you live your life? I came across this analogy that I think is a good closer for this message today. It goes like this. Let's say you spend a week at Motel 6. How likely would it be for you to take all your money and spend it decorating your motel room? How probable is it that you would clean out your bank account to purchase Van Gogh's or paintings of Elvis on velvet or whatever it is that your taste runs to? Not very. You wouldn't even be tempted because the motel room is not home. You're only going to be there a little while. It would be foolish to waste the treasure of your one and only life on a temporary residence. You see, smart players are clear on what lasts and what doesn't. Jesus says it's wise to store up treasure in what's eternal. Well, your life is Motel 6. Your room, your home and furniture and clothes and possessions will last the equivalent of a few seconds compared to the eternity that will be occupied by your soul. It's not bad to stay in a place and enjoy it while you're there. But don't store up treasure in Motel 6. It's not home. You're only going to be here a little while. If you're going to stay up nights dreaming, dream about something better than how to upgrade your motel room. I'm sure God's people will all say amen to that. I like that statement in the middle of this, smart players. Are you smart? Smart players are clear on what lasts and what doesn't. Jesus says it's wise to store up treasure in what's eternal. That's John's concern for us today as it was many, many years ago for that first congregation that received this letter. What's the deepest desire that you have? May it be pursuing the one who loves you more than you even love yourself, the Savior, Jesus Christ, and his heavenly Father. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, Protect us from pursuing desires that can lead us away from loving and serving you. In our lives, may your will be done. Help us to love you above all things and keep you as our deepest desire. Amen.
Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to pursue treasures that are eternal, knowing that the real life God wants for you to have is found in walking with Him and living for His honor and glory as you serve Him. If Christian Crusaders helps meet your spiritual needs, we ask you to consider making a contribution to help pay for radio time. We hear from many people who consider this program to be of vital importance to their spiritual needs. Address your donations to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Today's program can also be heard or ready anytime online at our website, www.christiancrusaders.org, where you can receive our program to your phone or other electronic device by podcast. Please make a note to visit us today. Christian Crusaders is dedicated to changing our world with the life-changing message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As part of that mission, we earnestly desire your prayers for this ministry and urge you to share your concerns with us so we may lift you up in prayer as well. You can find a prayer request form on our website under the Is This For Me link. All concerns are kept confidential. We are happy you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next week on this station. Conducting our service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.